Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like him. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. The day of the Lord. For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become subtle. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Terry. Amen. God bless you today. We certainly greet you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, found, epitomized, personified, and perfected in the providential Prince of Peace, Jesus, who is our Savior. Amen. You've heard our scripture reading. We want to share that same passage of scripture with you briefly from the Amplified Bible. And the word of the Lord simply says, but for you, chapter 4, verse 2, but for you who fear my name with awe-filled reverence, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go forward and leap joyfully like calves released from the stall. So today, we just want to talk briefly for your consideration, put a tag on that text, and share from the theme, a pandemic of hope. A pandemic of hope. Now, we've known for the last couple of years, we've seen all the things going on in the world and how we've been bombarded with information about the pandemic and COVID and Movid and all the other stuff they're coming up with. And so, the world has suffered and dealt with a lot intellectually and emotionally. But we want to talk spiritually today about a pandemic of hope. We understand that inspiration breeds encouragement and it stimulates the mind's creativity. And it plants a vision in the minds of men and challenges them to see beyond our own capabilities. I've had more than a few who've inspired me in my lifetime. Uh, there are the obvious, of course, my parents, my first pastor from uh, the Mount Olive Baptist Church in Longview, Texas. For those who've never heard of that, it's 128 miles east of Dallas, 50 miles west of Shreveport, small town about the size of our sanctuary. Uh, even our own pastor has provided some inspiration, and we thank God for that. But certainly then there are the obvious. My second grade teacher, Mrs. Anderson, who challenged me to read a book a week. My Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Mann, who instilled in me and ignited my love of God's word. And of course, my family, who never, ever gave up on me. Inspirational leaders give us hope, and it, it's a hope that takes us through some of the greatest challenges in our world. You understand that it was hope that drove the people of New Orleans 
to recover from the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. And it's that same hope that will push the people of Florida and Texas and New York forward in the aftermath of all of the horrific atrocities that they've dealt with. It's hope that inspires Christ Community Church to march forward in the strength of God, knowing the changes and things that we are about to undertake and how we trust God to lead and guide us in those processes. It's hope that will move men and women to go into all the world and make disciples as the word of God claims. It's hope that brings parents to school board meetings to stand in the gap for their children and protect their educational process. But we need to understand that man's message of hope has limitations, and those limitations are placed on our hope by our own carnal capabilities. Flesh cannot accomplish what the Spirit of God is able to perform. And what the world needs now is God's message of hope. So what is the difference between man's hope and the hope that God offers? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. On some of your foreheads, it's like a neon light flashing. What is the difference? Well, the difference is simple because they are, in fact, not the same. I might hope the Rockies win the pennant. Now, we know... <laughs> I hope... There's enough money in my bank account to pay all of my bills at the end of the month. I hope all of my relationships will last. In fact, the biggest hope for a lot of us is that our health insurance won't be canceled. But this is not the same as trusting in the righteous hope of God. You see, these natural or carnal wishes have little to do with how God expects hope to work in the lives of his people. They're based on worldly desires, like hoping to win a million dollars. And by the way, if you do, just give me a call and I'll be able to share with you some of the things that you can do with that. But our prophet Malachi, folks, carried a different kind of Message. It was a spiritual message of hope. The difference between worldly and spiritual hope is that the hope based on the word of God has the promises of God to back it up. Worldly hope, however, is nothing more than a wish or a yearning. We're merely coveting, coveting what the world has to offer. But when it comes to spiritual hope, we confess that it is, in fact, impossible for God to lie. That's what Hebrews 6, 18 tells us. All that the Father has is ours. Every word of Scripture is true. Romans 15 and 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now, we cannot have access to this eternal hope and the success that God has intended for us without his word being a part of that equation. Our success is based partly on studying the Bible and knowing our rights as citizens in the kingdom of God. But we must study the Bible. 
I hear folks all the time, they ask folks, well, have you read the Bible? Well, yeah, I've read it, but do you know what's in it? There's a difference between reading and studying. And so we have to prepare ourselves through the guidance of the Holy Spirit to make sure that we're studying God's word. David said in Psalm 119 and 116, uphold me according to thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Look, I may want a new car. I might want a lot of financial success. I might want a job that pays a seven-figure salary. But those hopes expose my life from a worldly perspective. My real hope must come from knowing that my God, shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. The word from the Lord gives us real promise and eternal hope. Worldly hope is hollow and unreliable. But spiritual hope holds a fortress of possibilities. Well, the prophet Malachi delivered such a, such a message of hope. It was a time when life was not easy. The Jews were under political restraint by Persia. Their harvests were poor because of locust damage. They had become indifferent and resentful toward God. And even the priests had begun to violate the Mosaic law regarding sacrifices, tithes, and offering. The Jews' hope in God's covenant promise had Dimmed, and they began to intermarry with pagans. The divorce rate was through the roof. And there was simply a general ambivalence that swept the nation. There was a moral decay taking place. It's kind of like what I'm beginning to see here today. Well, enter Malachi, God's messenger. And his prophetic pronouncement was simply that covenant blessings require covenant faithfulness. See, you can't expect, and we were just talking about it. My brother came in, he said he had to go fill up his car, and he was shocked because he usually fills it up when it's half a tank, but he let it get almost empty, and he was shocked at the price. The difference with that process is, in our time of preparation, if we are trusting God to deliver us and heal us and make sure that we are connected with him, then we must have covenant faithfulness. We have to believe everything that God said is going to come true. Malachi's message would carry the people of God through four centuries of their neglect and outright disobedience. They had to deal with 400 years of God's celestial silence. But there is hope today. And wrapped in this one verse of Malachi's delivery is the full explanation of the foundation of all of our hope. So there are three little things. I want to drop off my little red wagon and then we'll be ready to go. First, there's the promise of hope. Malachi says the son of righteousness shall arise. Look, where would we be if the sun didn't arise? Our world would wither up and dry, dry up or actually freeze up. 
There would be no plants and no food and no water, nothing to sustain our physical life. And all of our hope of existence is tied to that ball in the sky. If it does not show up every day, we're doomed. Well, Malachi said in the same manner that if we don't have the rising of the sun of righteousness, we're doomed. He said that the sun of righteousness shall arise, and indeed he did. So to the Jew, it was a promise to be fulfilled in their future. To us, it's a promise of God already fulfilled. The sun has risen just as God has promised. And so as Christians, our hope is inexplicably tied to the rising of God's son. He rose on the third day with all power in his hands. And I had to look up that word all in Webster's Dictionary, and I found out that all means all. It's all-consuming. If he has all power, nobody else has power. There may be some authority associated, but there is no power. And so we understand that our hope is not some wishy-washy hope we cling to. You know, like, has anybody in here, don't, don't fool me now, has anybody in here ever bought a lottery ticket? I have, well, maybe more than one. The problem with that is it's a worldly kind of hope. We're coveting the things of the world. We're looking for all of those things that we have. And the only thing that we can really ever take to the bank is the promises of God. For 400 years, the Jews believed that promise. And God delivered on that promise one day on Calvary. And since that time, all of man's hope is tied to the promise of our risen Savior. But with the promise of hope came benefits. So secondly, there's the power of hope. Malachi says that the son of righteousness comes with healing in his wings. Christ has restorative power. He would not and did not show up empty-handed. If you've ever needed a blessing from the Lord and if you've prayed and believed, you have seen the manifestation of his gift in your life, whatever it may have been. He never shows up in our lives empty-handed. So he offered us his spiritual balm to soothe our wearied souls and empower us with his spirit. Who would put their hope and trust in something that has no potential to deliver? Now, don't answer too quickly because we do it every day. We hope for a pay raise. We hope for a sunny day. We hope for money to buy a new pair of shoes or a new set of golf clubs. Honey, I do need some clubs. We, we hope that spiritually... God renews and restores us. And it is only offered to those who fear and reference the name of Jesus. So then what kind of hope does Christ offer? 
There's the promise that our yoke will be easy and our burdens will be light. Matthew 11:30. There's the promise of Christ's grace with the sufficiency to fulfill every need. 2 Corinthians 12:9. The promise that he will give us peace that passes all understanding. Philippians 4:7. The promise that he will fill us with unspeakable joy. 1 Peter 1 and 8. There's the promise, hallelujah, that he will prepare us a home, a house not made by hand, but eternal in the heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. We need to understand that healing wings, wings that carry us through every danger, toil, and snare, wings that have no flaw nor fluctuation, no lack or limit, no prejudice or partiality, wings of love that bless and benefit, penetrate and saturate, glorify and magnify. They revive and restore us, encourage and inspire us, assure and endure with us. That's the promise that God has for us. But doesn't let in there. Thirdly, I told you I had three little things in my wagon. This is the last one. There's the possibilities of hope. Hope offers freedom and liberty. Malachi equates our freedom in Christ to calves trapped in a pen, and they've now been set loose to roam free. It's an analogy of how God's hope releases us from condemnation and showers us with his righteousness. And the B portion of our scripture text says, and ye shall go forth. And we go forth. We're released from the penalty of sin and released from the pig pen of perdition. Where do we go, though? See, we have a part to play in our going. The hope that we now enjoy is a hope that must be shared. We go forth carrying God's message of hope to the world. So if Christ's fountain has refreshed you, he ought to excite you. If his message has inspired you, he ought to compel you. If his message has redeemed you, he ought to motivate you. Today is a great day to reestablish your hope in Christ. In fact, what the world needs now is a pandemic of hope throughout our community and throughout this world. The manifestation of global hopelessness, wars and rumors of wars, global famine and natural disasters point to the truth that time is winding up. Look, I don't know about you, but I need Jesus. Christ is calling us to go forth and spread his message of hope, to create a pandemic of hope throughout this world. And the message is clear. The message is simple. If you need salvation, God's got it. If you need comfort, God's got it. If you need healing, God's got it. If you need refreshing or inspiration or happiness or encouragement or assurance, God's got it. Let us go through and spread the word and start a pandemic of hope. Malachi put his trust in the word of God and God's word did not come back void. The deliverer came just as God promised. And God will do the same for us if we put all of our hope and our faith in him. 
You do remember what he did for us, right? Remember he was walking on the Via Della Rosa on his way to Calvary. And as he's going up to Calvary, there were folks there who looked out and they saw him coming. And they said, I think that's Jesus, but it looks like he's covered in, in soot. And they went up to him and they said, Jesus, why, why are you dirty? Why is there soot all over your body? And he said, well... I had some friends that was thrown into a burning fiery furnace and I needed to get in there and kind of cool the flames down to allow them to move on and go forward in this thing. They said, but Jesus, you also look a little wet. What is going on with you? He said, look, I had some other friends who were about to cross the Red Sea. There were Pharaoh's army behind them. There was mountains on the left. There was a desert on the right. And I had to get in and hold out the water so they could cross over on dry land. That's the Jesus we serve. I don't know about you, but that's the hope we need to look for today. The question simply is, are you ready to place your trust in Jesus? Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the opportunity to share words of encouragement, God. We ask that you bless us as we move forward in you. We acquiesce and surrender unto you. And we thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's now time for our communion. If you don't have your communion, just raise your hand. Deacon Terry will make sure that you get the communion cup. Amen. Thank you, sir, for preparing. <laughs> Amen. I just get excited about the Lord, so you, you just uh, have to look over, brother, because I know where he delivered me from. You know what Paul said in 1 Timothy, I think it was 1 and 15, he said, I was the greatest sinner of all. Paul hadn't met Nathan. If Paul hadn't met Nathan, he'd have said, I'm bad, but that brother, that boy got issues. And so I thank God for deliverance. I thank God for his salvation in my life. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.